Hey everyone, please be advised that this episode contains discussions around spiritual abuse, religious trauma, and other sensitive topics. The content may be distressing or triggering for some individuals, so if you feel uncomfortable or find these discussions distressing, we invite you to prioritize your mental health and well-being and consider skipping this episode. Welcome to season two of the Touchy Subjects podcast. My name is Erin Billings and I am your host. Thank you for being here. It has been a long hiatus, but we are finally back and I cannot wait for you to hear the conversations that we're going to be having this season. This is my first solo episode. I hope that you enjoy it as I talk about how I have connected the dots backwards on my road to healing. Hope you enjoy. Well, it has been a while. Thank you for joining me for season two of the Touchy Subjects podcast. So where I left you last, let's see, it was the deconstructing the holidays. I will be completely honest with you and let you know that (laughs) doing that event at the end of last year really messed me up on so many different levels. Sometimes I think in an effort to help others, we disregard our own issues and we bury them until they can't be buried anymore. It's kind of like, you know, bottling everything up and then eventually it completely explodes all over everything. Well, that's essentially what happened to me at the end of last year. I spent so much time trying to create that content. And while I don't regret it, because I know it helped people, I did myself a disservice. So I just had to make the decision that I was going to come back to the podcast when I could emotionally handle it. If you've been listening, you'll know I've been on this massive healing journey. It's been really great, but it's also been incredibly hard. I will be completely honest with you. I have been struggling on so many different levels, not just spiritually, not just emotionally, not just mentally, even physically. I have had some health issues, and it's all directly related to my religious trauma. So this season, we're going to talk about a lot of that because I know that it's not just me going through these things. The goal for this podcast is not to be something that exposes the church. The goal is that people can find healing from what the institution of the church has done to them. The goal is that hopefully the pastors and church leaders and congregation members that listen to this can kind of see what needs to change. And maybe they can re-examine bits and pieces of their own history and try to move forward in a much healthier way. That's all I'm trying to do here. 
Over the last, I would say, six months, I've spent a lot of time connecting the dots backwards. If you've ever heard Steve Jobs' speech at Stanford where he talks about connecting the dots backwards, I highly recommend it. It's incredibly powerful. Powerful enough that LeBron James played it in the locker room ahead of Game 7 for the 2016 Finals, which is the Finals that they came back and won after being down 3-1. Yes, I'm a sports nerd. Yes, I am a LeBron fan. Don't judge me. But this whole idea of connecting the dots backwards, sometimes when we do that, it helps us to be able to look forward with hope and see that everything that we've been through is bringing us to where we are today. And hopefully we can help somebody on the other side. So in this episode, I really want to talk about my healing journey because I guarantee you I'm not the only one with some of these issues. I was raised in a family that literally tells everybody, I am this many generations Church of God. I personally am fifth generation Like, this is a thing to be proud of. If you are raised in the Church of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, by the way. I believe that my family, they have the best intentions. They want to serve God with all of their heart, all of their mind, all of their soul, all of their body. I can't tell you how many of my family members have sacrificed themselves for the church, for the church members. Most of them are in ministry in some way, shape, form, or fashion. I grew up in this environment where it was all church all the time. I'm pretty sure that I can't remember times in my life where I have not been actively involved in church, except for during this deconstruction phase that I've been in. My mom was raised by a Church of God pastor. Keep in mind, my mom is a Church of God pastor, but she was raised in the thick of legalism. If you don't know what legalism is, it's basically where the culture of the church is you cannot wear pants if you are a woman. You cannot wear makeup if you're a woman. You can't wear jewelry. People weren't allowed to go to see the movies in the theater. Why they could watch them at home, I'll never fully understand, but it's this idea of like separation, separating yourself from the secular world, essentially. While I wasn't brought up in that legalistic of a situation, I still wasn't able to, let's say, watch Harry Potter or Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which I find to be hilarious because I'm like, Harry Potter, I can almost see just because it gets a little bit dark there at the end, which P.S. By the way, as soon as I got out of the house, I did watch all of the Harry Potters and I love them. But Sabrina the Teenage Witch, are you kidding me? (laughs) But I get that for my mom, who was raised in a situation where she even went to Bible college and she wasn't allowed to go to the movies and she wasn't allowed to wear pants to school and all these different things. To her, the fact that I'm allowed to wear pants, the fact that I'm allowed to go to the movies and go to the mall and listen to secular music one day a week. That's a funny story that I can tell at another time. 
she's making progress. And she did. Like, I want to give my mother credit. But I believe that my personal relationship with the church is unhealthy because of the unhealthy lineage of relationships with the church. My grandfather, who many people that know him would say he is a saint or was a saint, he has passed. I love hearing the stories about what all he did in acts of service. He built many reservations out West. I, I hear these stories. It's impressive to hear somebody with that much faith, but also hearing some of the things that he did that today he would be canceled for. Like I, I look back at that legalism. It makes me question for example, I have one of his books that he used to marry people. And in the book, he says that he wouldn't marry an interracial couple. That's just mind boggling to me. Now, granted, I know that was back then, and I'm not excusing it because it is wrong, but I'm thinking context. Either way, it's wrong. I sometimes question whether he would be at odds with me because my beliefs are so different from what he held so dear to the church of God. But as I have deconstructed, I have taken a lot of time to unpack, okay, what is my conditioning? What was I brainwashed with? A lot of the legalism is brainwashing. I've had to reconcile in my own heart and mind, okay, this part of my belief system is good. Faith is good. Fruits of the Spirit are good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those things are good. Even if you're not a Christian, we can all agree that love, like that's what life is all about. Same for all of those fruits of the Spirit. They are important even outside of the context of religion. And I think we can all get on the same page with that. But the brainwashing and the conditioning of purity culture, of how the church treats women, and women are second-class citizens, and what I mentioned about the interracial marriage thing, all of these things that I was raised to believe, not because they were rooted in facts and history, but because that was just the held belief of that culture. That's something that I don't think everybody gets, is that specifically evangelical Christian, that is a culture in and of itself. And that's a problem. Then I take into consideration my unhealed childhood trauma. I was literally a walking trauma response for hmm, about 35 years of my life. I should let you know, I was kidnapped at four years old by my father. I've had to do a lot of healing work around that because I was also abandoned by my father, which, you know, after the whole kidnapping situation, I think I'm thankful for it now that I was abandoned because sometimes I think that it's just better for toxic people like that to be out of your life than to have them re-entering and causing more damage 
but it still sucks. It sucks as a little girl to feel like you did something wrong. And that's why your father left. I think I internalized that into never feeling safe. I never felt secure. I knew that my mother and my family loved me, and I'm so thankful for them. But even my mom, I don't think she's ever properly dealt with that trauma. I mean, I can't imagine being a mother and your kid being kidnapped for days at a time, not knowing where they are. Like, my heart grieves for that. Knowing that my mom never really properly dealt with it, because back then, I mean, this was 1990, whenever this happened, mental health was not even a thing back then. Like, nobody cared about mental health. I hate the fact that I was never put in counseling for this. I hate that my mom never got counseling and the help that she needed for this. Nowadays, somebody would be like, you have to be in counseling after this situation. Or at least they should be. And I do hold the church somewhat accountable in this regard because Mental health is still not where it needs to be as far as a priority in the church. It's much better than it used to be because at least now it's talked about, but there's still a little bit of a stigma around it. Because of not getting the help that I need at, you know, four, five, six, seven years old, that played a huge part into my life. Like I said, walking trauma response. I have had a hard time trusting others. But more importantly, I've had a really hard time trusting myself. I think that a lot of this unhealed child trauma led to it manifesting in my body. I had literally no nervous system regulation. I am 37 years old and I am just now learning how to regulate my nervous system. And it is a task, let me tell you, it is not easy. I know that it is necessary if I ever want to get to where I know I need to be in life and in business and in making an impact in the world, I know that that is how I have to help myself grow and heal. But that unhealed child trauma has manifested in the physical in so many different ways. And we're going to do a whole episode about that this season, about how our nervous systems and our trauma impact the body. Like there's a lot of correlations between all of them. And I know this because I have experienced it on a deep, deep level in my own life. Another thing, as I connect the dots backwards, I have a really unhealthy attachment to work because of church. If I'm being honest with you, I say that I still have it because it's true. I still, to this day, it is something I am actively working on because for so many years, I have found my worth through my productivity because 
it's that whole idea that the church gives you of what have you done for me lately or what have you done for Jesus lately? <laughs> Let's try that one on for size. You know, I worked in church for a long time and I worked hard hours. I worked 60 to 80 hour weeks a lot of times. And that's with a lot of different illnesses. I had this unhealthy attachment to work because of the church because I thought, well, this is how I find my worth through Jesus Christ. And I had it completely wrong and backwards. I'm worthy just for being me. And if I can impart any wisdom to you, the faster you learn that, the better off you're going to be. We are inherently worthy just because we are. No ifs, ands, or buts. No, because I do this and because I do that and because I'm related to this person. None of that matters. We are worthy just because. Because I had this unhealthy attachment to work, that led to severe burnout. Severe burnout. And honestly, that burnout is what led to my deconstruction. I've worked in multiple churches. I've worked in churches of 300. I've worked in churches of six and 7,000. I'm thankful for the opportunity to serve. I love the people, even to this day, even with all of the traumatic crap that has happened in church to me, I still love the people. I still love the people regardless of them standing by and allowing abuse and allowing for others to be hurt and allowing bad stuff to happen to people just because it would make them uncomfortable. I still love them. That doesn't make it right. And one day they're going to learn on their own why that wasn't right because they're going to experience it for themselves. But that burnout led to my deconstruction. And honestly, the deconstruction is what has changed my life. Now, I am not one that believes that deconstruction equals destruction. I would say, actually, it's the opposite. When we deconstruct our conditioning and we deconstruct our faith and our belief systems, and our culture, and the context of it all. That helps us to be better human beings. That helps us have a knowing and an awareness of who we truly are instead of what our parents wanted us to be, or our friends from church wanted us to be, or our pastors and mentors and leaders wanted us to be. I believe that every Christian should deconstruct their faith. I think that most Christians do. They just don't realize it. I can even tell you from my own mother, who is a pastor. I've watched her deconstruct a good bit of her belief system just because of her own traumas, having to work through them and heal from them. I think that deconstruction is healthy. The more that the church can embrace deconstruction, the less of a mass exodus 
is going to happen. I hear so many pastors complaining about how people did not come back to church after COVID and how people are just leaving. Do you want to know why they're leaving? It's because the church is not an inclusive space. The church is not very good at being kind to one another, which is like mind boggling because that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a community of believers with one faith and one heart. And what it's turned into is a country club that excludes and ridicules. It's become this us for and no more. And if you don't look like us and sound like us and have our bank accounts, then you are not worthy of being here. That is wrong. With the rise of social media and the importance of it and how influence has impacted the church. We have these pastors and church leaders that are being put on pedestals as if they are God. And it's so contradictory to the teachings of Jesus. I personally know as I look backwards, I was taught from a very early age to put pastors and church leaders on pedestals. To give you an example, my grandfather, like I said, he was a pastor. We would have ministers coming from Cleveland, Tennessee, which is where the Church of God, that's their Mecca, that's their headquarters. We would have big wigs from the Church of God come and speak at his church whenever he was dying in the hospital with cancer. I just remember being four years old, noticing from a very young age, them being waited on hand and foot by my grandmother, by my mother, by my aunts, by the church members. It's that act of putting them on a pedestal. Now, I'm not saying we don't serve. We absolutely should serve people. But if we are serving the big wigs of the church of God differently than we're serving the homeless people that come walk through our churches, we have a major problem. And it's true. We do have a major problem. We have got to knock people off of the pedestals. That is going to be one of the ways that the church makes forward progress in these modern times. And this is something that I've had to really learn in my deconstruction and in my healing journey, because the traumas that I have been through have mainly come from pastors. I remember one of the first healing sessions that I did with a healer, my grandfather came through. My grandfather is with me a lot. What he said from beyond the grave was pastors are humans too. That doesn't excuse the crap that they've put you through. But we have to recognize that they're going to make mistakes. They're not perfect. That's one of the reasons we got to knock the leaders off the pedestals. Because they're just like us. They might be a little bit further along in some areas. But they may just be like us and have their flaws and make mistakes I can tell you one of the pastors that sexually harassed me. I've had to do a lot of healing work and forgiving. I don't forgive him 
for him. I forgive him for me. That eliminates that bitterness and resentment that I carried for so long. And I had this realization about a year ago that he probably has been traumatized by his own father. He's probably been through some things that he can't speak of because he's the pastor of a megachurch. As I started to heal, what I realized was that I had more compassion for him. And that's something that I can't fully explain because I still have issues. I still want his feet held to the fire. I still want justice. But on the other hand, I want him to heal. I want him to heal because I want him to never do this to anybody else, to put somebody else through what he's put me and potentially others through. I want him to heal for his family so that he doesn't pass things down to his kids and then them pass it down to their kids. When we talk about a lot of religious trauma and generational trauma, because that's exactly what a lot of this is. So much of what we learn in the evangelical Christian culture has been passed down, oral tradition from generation to generation to generation. I made the conscious decision that it stops with me. I can only hope and pray that the leaders of the church will take that stand with me and make the conscious decision, it's time. We have to start putting people first. We have to start being more people-centric. We have to start putting humans over the institutions. Until that happens, we're not going to see any change. So over the next episodes for this season. I hope you'll continue to listen. I hope that you'll think about how things can change for the better. I hope that you can find hope for healing and know that healing is available to everyone. Sometimes we just have to know where to look for it. You know, I was raised to believe that Healing was instantaneous, and I do believe that healing can be instantaneous. I have seen people being healed instantly. But I also know that sometimes healing is a journey, and it is a process, and that process sucks. But it is so worth it on the other side. So I hope you'll join me on the journey for this season of the Touchy Subjects podcast. Thank you so much for listening. for listening to the Touchy Subjects podcast. If you would like more information about what we do and who we are and how you can get involved, check out our website, www.letstalktouchysubjects.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.